trek through Jonah uh, five weeks ago. Uh, so week number five uh, is today, and we're going to walk through uh, Jonah chapter four. And uh, if, you rem- if it's your first time, um, great. You're coming at a, a perfect time. Uh, our heart in this entire series has simply been, what are the things that we're learning about God? Uh, this story of Jonah is not so much about Jonah, because uh, as we'll read and see today, uh, Jonah story didn't end well for him. Uh, but our focus has not been uh, on Jonah per se. Our focus been, has been on this is our God. Uh, we haven't sung that song that uh, we just sang a few minutes ago every single week, but I just love the lyrics to that song. It's just our testimony is this is our God. And my heart, my hope uh, for me and for all of us as we've been going through this series is that your testimony of this is our God would actually be growing, would actually be increasing uh, every single day. And uh, next Sunday, just to uh, give you a heads up, uh, we haven't done this in a long time, but uh, next Sunday, we're going to have multiple, multiple sermons, so to speak, uh, because you're going to have the opportunity to share uh, just literally a two, three minute testimony of this is my God. And uh, these are the things that God's been teaching me about who he is. These are the things that God's been doing in my life. So be praying now about what you might share. Um, And I've shared this before, but God will use your story, your testimony of this is, this is God uh, to encourage and challenge, inspire, and bless others. So uh, let me pray, and uh, we're going to jump into uh, Jonah chapter 4. God, you are uh, indeed uh, just an awesome God. I give thanks for this journey that we have been on these past five weeks, and God, all the amazing things that we have been learning about you. Uh, and God, I pray that uh, one more time today, Uh, God, you would teach us afresh of who you are and just your character. And God, I pray that uh, by the time every single one of us would leave this place uh, this afternoon, we would have uh, a testimony that has grown, that has increased of this is our God. Uh, God, you've already showed us so much, revealed to us so much. Uh, But God, please, uh, one more time today, would you just increase our testimony of who you are? Uh, God, I give thanks that you know every single person that's here. God, not just by name, but you know heart, you know soul condition. Uh, and so, God, would you speak to us individually? Uh, God, that you know exactly what needs to be said, what needs to be heard. Uh, so, God, by your spirit, through your word, would you bring encouragement uh, to that person that just needs encouragement today? Uh, God, for that uh, individual that's just coming in tired and weary, God, would you bring just refreshment to them? God, either way, just bring uh, your voice that we might hear and have a testimony of this is our God. We pray that Jesus in your name. Amen. Um, if you've ever seen, uh, like, uh, if you have DVDs, uh, sometimes uh, if you look at the bonus features on a DVD, uh, sometimes there's alternate endings. Um, that's the producer, director's way of, of saying, hey, we tried out a few different endings and we picked the one we thought was best, but here are three or four other alternate endings for you to enjoy. As I was reading through Jonah, uh, if Jonah had some alternate endings, uh, I don't think I would have picked the one that we have actually in Jonah chapter 4. Uh, it doesn't end how you think it would end. If you consider who Jonah is, all that Jonah has experienced, his growing testimony of God, it just seems like such an odd way to end uh, what I think is a phenomenal story uh, in the story of Jonah. Uh, it would be discouraging to finish on chapter 4 if the hero of the story was Jonah. Uh, it would be uh, very disappointing at best if Jonah was our focus. But like I've already mentioned, Jonah's not the focus. Uh, 
of this series. He's not the focus of the book. The hero of Jonah is God. And what I love about what we're going to learn today is uh, we learn once again, despite Jonah being Jonah, despite Jonah being very self-centered, very absorbed, uh, and very angry, uh, God is still God. Uh, Jonah doesn't change God. God is still working in Jonah's life. And I know for me, as I've gone through uh, this past few months of studying and praying and just reading uh, a lot on Jonah, uh, one of the things that, um, I don't know if this will be true of you as well, but it's certainly true of me, is I still see a lot of Jonah in me. And I don't like admitting that, but I still see a lot of, a lot of Jonah in me. Uh, the man who tends to run uh, more than I want to, the man who can still be uh, rebellious and proud and self-centered and uh, angry at times as well. Um, my heart is that as God is at work in Jonah's life, as I see God at work in my life. And I think if we're all honest, there's a lot of Jonah still left in, in each of us. And the beautiful message of who God is, what we're going to learn about today, uh, is God's not going to give up on us. He's at work in our lives, uh, making us not look more like Jonah, but to make us look more like Jesus. Uh, the Apostle Paul actually says this in Philippians. It says Philippians 1 verse 6. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So if you're here today, which you are, I'm fully confident that God's not done with you. Uh, there's a reason you're here today, and it's because God's at work in your life. I don't know what God's doing, where God's at work in your life, but I have great confidence the fact that you're here means God is at work in your life. Uh, and we're going to focus on three different things um, tied together, but three things that we learn about who God is uh, in light of what we see in Jonah uh, chapter 4. Uh, now, as I mentioned, alternate endings. Uh, this is Jonah chapter 3. And so I wanted to refresh your mind of this is what we saw last Sunday. Jonah chapter 3, just reading verse 5 and 10. The Ninevites believed God. You have to keep in mind and, and remember, the Ninevites were an evil uh, horrific, horrific, violent people. Uh, I took time to read uh, to you uh, last week a lot of what the Assyrian Empire was like and what the capital Nineveh was like, but it was a ruthless, ruthless people. So that one line, the Ninevites believed God, is class A miracle. Class A miracle. Ninevites believed God. They declared a fast, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, they put on sackcloth. Then jump down to verse 10. Uh, says this, when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and he did not bring on them the destruction that he had threatened. What an amazing way to end the story of Jonah. Jonah ran from God, finally came back to God in a most miraculous way, was obedient, went to a city uh, that was very violent towards the nation of Israel, his nation, preached the message God gave him, and amazingly, the people, humbled by the message and said, this is from God. We will repent. God sees the repentance, and God chooses uh, to be merciful and compassionate towards these people. Absolutely amazing way to end the story. But if we ended the story there, we'd end the story with God at work in the city of Nineveh, and we'd miss God at work in the life of Jonah. And he's not done with Jonah. Um, now, before I read a couple verses in Jonah 4, uh, what's your typical reaction? When you see God do something amazing, like I mean... It's only explainable because God did it. So maybe it's your life got changed, your relationship got changed, or healed, or there was just some, something phenomenal that happened 
We were like, this was totally God. He totally provided. Uh, there was a need. God met that need. There was maybe someone was sick and needed healing, and God just brought a phenomenal. When you see God at work, when you see God be God and do amazing things, what's your first response, reaction? I would think it would be, God's amazing. Your worship of him would just be off the charts. You'd have this sense of thankfulness and gratitude of, God, thank you so much for doing what you did and be filled with gratitude. You would think in light of everything that Jonah has seen, and he saw a lot. He just saw 120,000 people repent and turn to God. That's an amazing thing. If we get in our lifetime get to see a handful of people repent, that is an amazing thing. And he saw 120,000 people. This is Jonah's response. Jonah chapter 4, verse 1. But Jonah was greatly displeased, and he became angry. I have to read that a couple times. I'm like, wait a minute. Is that a misprint? Like, is he really displeased with everything he got to see, everything he was part of? Is he really angry over something? You ever seen someone get angry, and you're kind of watching them from a distance, and you're like, dude, what are you so angry about? You could be like driving behind them, and you see maybe someone did something to them, and they're just like fuming. And you're just kind of watching as a spectator, and you're like, my goodness, like why are you so angry? Or you're standing behind someone in line, and they're freaking out at the person in front of them, and you're standing there looking at them like, wow, calm down. What? Relax. You'll, you'll get your turn. Like, why are you so angry? I look at Jonah's response, and that's my first question to him is, Jonah, man, in light of everything, and everything is a lot for him, all that he's seen, dude, why are you so angry? What is it that you are so displeased about that you are so angry about? I think one of the things as I've looked at Jonah's response is his response has reminded me that you can actually learn a lot, actually more about a person by how they respond and how they react than necessarily what they do. Because Jonah showed up in Nineveh. He did exactly what God wanted him to do. And that, in many ways, is a reminder to me that there are people, you can literally just kind of go through the motions, have the appearance that you're doing everything that God wants you to do, but it's just surface deep. If you really want to see what a person is all about, what's really in their heart, just watch how they react. Watch how they respond. And when you see Jonah's response, it's very telling of this guy's heart uh, is at best pretty gross. Pretty gross. He goes on in Jonah uh, in uh, chapter uh, 4, verse 2 and 3. This was his prayer. Okay, this is in the form of a prayer. He prayed to the Lord, O Lord, is this not what I said when I was still at home? That is why I was so quick to flee to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending cal calamity. Verse 3, Now, O Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. Now, you kind of read that prayer, and you're like, wow. Seriously, Jonah? You would, in light of what you just said, who God was, you would rather God kill you you would rather die than live in light of who you just confessed God to be. This response, this reaction, he's responding to what he saw God do. His response is ever so telling of what's in Jonah's heart. 
But the first thing that I'll share with you that I learn about God is simply this. God is who Jonah thought him to be. God is who Jonah thought him to be. Gracious, compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. That was Jonah's testimony. He said, I know this is, this is who you are. And I want you to just think about that for a minute. If you were asked to describe God, isn't it amazing that you don't have to use words like, well, I don't actually know who he is. He's never revealed himself to me. Or he seems distant. Or he's not actually that interested in, in who I am. Or he's not very interested in my life. Like, isn't it amazing that when we describe God, when Jonah describes God, he can say, God, he is absolutely abound, gracious, compassionate, slow to anger, and he's a God who is abounding in love. Of all the ways that you and I could describe God, isn't that a phenomenal testimony of this is our God? Because there's a lot of people I know who couldn't say that. Their testimony is, is something very different. But this is who God is and how God has revealed himself to Jonah, how he's revealed himself to us. Now, if Jonah knows God to be these things, and he's actually even experienced the grace, the compassion, the mercy of God in just like recent days, how is it possible that he could be so angry with God to the point where he says, God, just kill me? I would actually rather die than live in light of who you are and essentially what you are doing. It's, it's one thing to disagree with God. I'm sure if I asked you to raise your hand, all of us at some point in our lives have disagreed with God. We didn't like what God did, when he did it, how he did it, or when he didn't do it. I'm sure there's been a point in our, in our lives where we've just, God, I disagree with what you've done. But Jonah is doing more than disagreeing with something God did. He didn't just stop and say, God, I disagree with what you've done in Nineveh. If it was left up to me, I would have wiped him out. That's exactly what Jonah was hoping for. God, I disagree with what you've done. Jonah actually takes it a step further and is actually finding fault with who God is. He's taking aim not with what God's done. He's taking aim at who God is. And as he's taking aim at who God is, his character, he's finding himself more angry, more displeased with the God that he is, is claiming to be uh, gracious, compassionate, merciful, abounding in love. You notice what Jonah does? Jonah says, I totally knew it. I knew that if I got you anywhere even close to the Ninevites and they showed even a hint of repentance that you would forgive them. I knew, God, that if I did it, that you would be God to these people. And because of that, it's your fault, God, that I ran. You notice how Jonah blames God for his running. God, if you weren't God, then I wouldn't have run. If you weren't the God who is uh, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, if you weren't that, then I wouldn't have run. Now, it seems like, Jonah, how could you possibly blame God for your sin? How could you blame God for your running? It's not like God forced you to do that. But as I asked Jonah that question, I think we need to ask ourselves that question. Ever blame God for a sinful decision you made? Well, God, if you would have done that, then I wouldn't have done this. 
God, you kind of forced my hand because you didn't show up like I wanted you to show up because you didn't provide for me. I had to go and take care of things myself. God, because you weren't the God that I thought you should be, the God that I wanted you to be, it ultimately led me to go run off and do my own thing. Jonah's done it. I think it's safe to say we've all done that as well. But again, my question simply is this. Why is he so angry? What is ultimately going on in Jonah's heart that he would rather die than live in light of who God is? And I think there's probably a few different reasons, but I think the core reason of why Jonah is so angry, is so displeased, is because he's received something that he still doesn't get. Which I know it's weird to say it like that, but what Jonah doesn't get, he's received it, but he doesn't get it yet, is grace. He, he wants to receive, he likes the grace that God's given him, but when he sees God be gracious to someone else who Jonah has deemed not worthy of grace, it reveals to me, reveals to us that what Jonah ultimately, his issue is, why he's so angry, is because Jonah is a guy who just doesn't get grace. He hasn't received it in full. I think he liked when God rescued him from the storm. I think he liked God spoke to him. God gave him a mission. I think he liked being a Jewish man. I think he liked being a prophet of God. I think he liked receiving the grace of God, but he didn't have a category for God being gracious to actually other people. So I think what Jonah is, is clearly missing uh, is he's frustrated with God because God's not being who Jonah wants him to be. Now, Jonah's reaction seems kind of over the top, right? I mean, in light of who God is, what God's done, it just seems ridiculous to me that Jonah would say, you know, God, if you're going to be like this, then I want, I'd rather die. And I think what's happening with Jonah is put yourself in Jonah's shoes. If you've given your entire life over to following God, and you finally realize the God that you've given yourself to is not the God you want him to be, then you've just lost a lot of meaning and purpose in your existence. If God is not who you desire and want God to be, he's something totally different, and what he is is not acceptable to you, then what's the point? What's the point of going on? So I see Jonah in this incredible moment of despair of, you're not who I want you to be. You're not the God who... See, Jonah had fashioned God in his own image, so to speak. I want you to be gracious, but not gracious to everybody. One of the things as I've sat with Jonah, his anger being displeased, him just kind of not understanding the concept of grace. I think he mentally understands it, but uh, a quote, and I, I could not find who this came from, and I remember uh, multiple, many pastors, authors have referenced this, but it came to mind this past week, and maybe you're familiar with it. It says this, the longest journey a man must take in his lifetime is the 18 inches from his head to his heart. I'm not sure who initially said that, uh, but that is a quote I've remembered over the years. The longest journey a man must take in his lifetime is the 18 inches from his head to his heart. See, Jonah had in mind what God was, what he wanted God to be. 
but Jonah had not made the journey from head to heart. Jonah could tell you, well, this is God, but his testimony of this is who God is had actually not traveled the 18 inches, the longest, most important journey of his life. It had not penetrated who Jonah was. Because Jonah testified, God, you're gracious, you're compassionate, abounding in love, slow to become angry. You're a merciful God. The God he knew up here is not the God that he had received down here. Before I go on, I just wanted to ask you the question of, where are you on that journey? Is God someone, something, that you could give maybe a theological answer to if asked to describe, well, who is God? You can give a mental answer, as it were, of, well, God's loving. God is kind. God is gracious. God is good. God is sovereign. And ramble off a list of who the characteristics of God. But is who you say God is, has it actually landed deep within your heart? Because for Jonah, it clearly hasn't. And I can say that with confidence in his reaction. You look at a man's reaction to what God does or doesn't do, and it will reveal what's really in that man's heart. Jonah hadn't made the 18-inch journey. And another author, um, Tim Keller, uh, in a book called Counterfeit Gods, uh, said this of Jonah. Jonah shows that it's one thing to believe the gospel, the gospel meaning God. God is the gospel, his grace, his love, his kindness. Uh, to believe the gospel with our minds and another to work it deep into our hearts so it affects everything we think, feel, and do. Again, there's a big difference of God up here and God in here. God actually desires both. He wants us to have a, a mental, a theological correct view of who he is. But God doesn't want to live just in our brains. God wants to impact, affect the core of who we are. Because when you have God penetrated your heart with his grace, his kindness, his mercy, his compassion, all of who God is, then it begins to transform who we are. It transforms how we think and how we behave and how we decide and choose and how we react to certain things. And it affects everything. So Jonah was the guy that could go through the motions of doing what God wanted him to do. But again... His response, his reaction to God revealed what was ultimately missing in his heart. The same grace of God he testified to was not the grace that actually had penetrated his heart. So where are you on the spectrum? All head, no heart, beginning that journey there. What I'm encouraged about is the God I meet again in Jonah. God's message to me, God's message to you is not, well, good luck, figure it out. Uh, I want to be in your heart, so you go, you go figure out how that's all going to work. God loves us too much to just leave us where we are. God doesn't want to exist just in our heads. He wants to exist in all of our being, the core of who we are, our hearts. And so God graciously is going to take Jonah on that journey. Uh, now what's sad, I don't want to jump to the end. I don't know if Jonah got it. I don't know if Jonah got it. But I can say before I read that story, I hope you and I do. I hope you and I do. And this is the second, I think, amazing truth uh, that I learn about God in Jonah chapter 4. Uh, so the second one is this. 
God will teach you all he wants you to know so that you can live a life that is pleasing to him. See, God wasn't done with Jonah. And so God was going to teach this man, instruct this man, so this man would grow and mature and live the life that God wanted him so desperately to live. And my, God's promise to you and me, he will instruct you, he will teach you in everything he wants you to know so that you can live the life he wants you to live. This is Jonah chapter 4, starting in verse 4. But the Lord replied, Have you any right to be angry? It's a great question. From God to Jonah. Why are you so angry, Jonah? Do you have any right to be angry right now? Verse 5. Jonah went out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. The picture is Jonah travels just far enough uh, east of the city, finds a hill, plants himself there, builds himself a, a small little shelter to protect himself from the desert sun. And what's he doing? He's just waiting to see, maybe God will change his mind and wipe these people out. And if he does, I want to have a front row seat. I don't want to be in the city. I don't want to be too close to these people. I want to be close enough to see, maybe God will actually change his mind. Maybe God will actually destroy these people. Verse 6. Then the Lord God provided a vine and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the vine. While God is instructing, teaching Jonah how gracious of God to provide comfort for him. Goes on though. Meet the worm. Okay? In uh, verse 8, or verse 7. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the vine so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint and he wanted to die, and said, It would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, Do you have a right to be angry about the vine? Jonah's response, I do, he said. I am angry enough to die. You know, this is where you just want to slap the man. I mean, this is the, this is, uh, you ever seen the temper tantrum? You know, the kid who's just lost his mind. Uh, the kid at the mall in a grocery store and, you know, he didn't get what he wanted and so he's freaking out on his parents and his parents are trying to do the best they can, but he's kicking, screaming, spitting, throwing himself down on the floor and this is exactly what Jonah's doing. Jonah is having an adult temper tantrum right here. Two more, three times in the span of nine verses, this man is saying, just kill me, just kill me, just kill me. I'd rather die, I'd rather die than have to live in these horrific circumstances of a God who's gracious. Now, God kind of convicted me, not kind of did, when I was considering Jonah and passing judgment on him for his temper tantrum. And I just felt like God say, you know, Michael, be, be very careful because I'm pretty sure you've had yours. You've had your temper tantrums where you didn't get your way. And it might look very different than what Jonah did, but I, I think it's safe to say all of us have had our adult temper tantrum with God. We didn't like what God did, so we slammed our fists down, said some things well, and we just gave God a piece of our mind because we just didn't like what God was doing. And this is exactly what Jonah is doing. 
He's not getting his way, and so he's throwing a temper tantrum. God's question to him twice is, is it really right for you to be angry? And then in, in verse 9, uh, is it, do you really have a right to be angry, uh, as it were, about the vine? Now, I mentioned earlier God's trying to teach this man, to instruct him, to grow him, to mature him. So what is God ultimately trying to teach Jonah, and how is he actually going about it? Well, what did Jonah need? What is the one thing that Jonah needed more than anything? Uh, he needed a heart transformation. And so that is the, exactly what God is trying to do in this man, is trying to transform this man. But Jonah's heart cannot be transformed by God because Jonah's heart is filled with something totally different. Malt three times in these nine verses, why are you so angry? Why are you so angry? Do you have any right to be angry? What's filled Jonah's heart is anger towards God for God not being who Jonah thinks God should be. And he's ultimately angry. And the only way that Jonah's heart could be transformed is when his heart is actually emptied of his anger and then begin to be filled with the things of God. I like how D.L. Moody actually says it. Uh, he says this, I believe firmly that the moment our hearts are emptied of pride, of selfishness, ambition, and everything that is contrary to God's law, the Holy Spirit will fill every corner of our hearts. But if we are full of pride, conceit, ambition in the world, there is no room, no room for the Spirit of God. We must be emptied before we can be filled. That last line, we must be emptied before we can be filled. Jonah was just so filled with something that wasn't from God. And what Jonah needed more than anything was a heart transformation. Now, what I love about what God does is God brings a plant, he brings a worm, and he brings an east wind. And what he's using these, these things is he's trying to teach this man about grace. He's trying to teach this man that, in fact, he's got nothing to be angry about. How can you be angry about a vine that you didn't even know existed until you woke up? You had nothing to do with this vine. You had nothing to do with this worm. You had nothing to do with this east wind. Jonah, you are angry, filled with anger. Why? Because you just don't understand grace. And what he's missing is everything that he has is because God's given it to him. It's not because he's earned it. It's not because he's some great prophet. Everything that he has is an extension and an example of God's grace to him. He wants it, but because he hasn't really received it at a heart level, when he sees God be gracious to someone else, it's, it's just too difficult for him to swallow. So what God's trying to do with Jonah is simply teach, instruct him, Give him that heart transformation and a heart that would be filled with grace, not a heart that would be filled with anger. So you consider just where you are now, the season of, of life you're in. I'm fully convinced God's trying to teach us continually because none of us have arrived. All of us have a long way to go. I see God trying to instruct Jonah, trying to mature him and grow him. So what is God trying to teach instruct, trying to grow right now? What season of life are you in, and where do you see 
God trying to teach you so that you would grow and mature in the, and live the life fully that God has for you, that God wants for you. A plant, a worm, and a wind. All instruments by God to teach and instruct this man. I'm going to, safe to say, none of us right now are dealing with plants, worms, and winds. But God will use anything to get our attention. He will use things to instruct us, to teach us. So pay attention. What is happening in your life? And how is that tool being used by God to instruct you, to grow you, so that you and I would ultimately live the life that God wants us to live? I don't know if Jonah got it. But I know you and I have the chance because we're here. We have the chance to get it. Jonah is done speaking. (laughs) His last words in uh, this story was simply, I do. And that wasn't to a woman. I do have a right to be angry. And that's the last we hear of Jonah. No other mention of him in the Old Testament. But God is the one who gets the last word. And this is what God says to Jonah, what ultimately God is saying to us. Jonah chapter 4, verse 10 uh, through 11. But the Lord said, You have been concerned about this vine. Though you did not tend it or make it grow, it sprang up overnight and it died overnight. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left and many cattle as well. Should I not be concerned about that great city? This is God saying to Jonah, you're so concerned, you're so angry about something like a plant. Let me put things in perspective for you, Jonah. These people, 120,000 people, men and women who don't know left from right, and that's not meaning they literally don't know their left foot, their right foot, is they are so far gone in their evil ways that they need someone to instruct them in the ways of God. And so God is gracious to a people that didn't deserve it. And this is what God is, again, trying to teach, instruct Jonah is. Jonah, shouldn't I care about these people? Do you really think I'm a God who should just care about you? Can you imagine if, if that was true of God, that he just cared about the people in this room and no one else? That would be a small God. I wouldn't want to worship a God who just cared about us. To me, wow, it increases my testimony of this is our God. He cares about everyone without prejudice, regardless of what they've done or have not done. That is the amazing truth of the story of Jonah, is God's great love for humanity, for Jonah, for the Ninevites, for you and I. Despite us being us, he still loves us. One of the things that, that's the third thing we learn about God, God demonstrates his love to all he created without prejudice. This is the final thing I see and the final thing we learn about who God is. is He's a God who cares about a great city that no one else cared about. Even though they were wicked, violent, evil, hell-bent on doing their thing, God said, I, I created them. They're helpless. I, I love them. Jonah, I sent you to them so they could see my grace, so they could witness and experience my mercy. This is our God. He's a God who loves all without prejudice. Now, 
As we close, um, I want to share just uh, a few verses with you that uh, as I consider this final truth, God demonstrates his love to all he created without prejudice. I'm really thankful that I don't really have to wonder, does God really love all? I'm personally thankful that it's not just head knowledge that I have that I can say, oh, well, God, God loves. I see Old Testament, New Testament, again and again, God not just telling people, I love you, but a God who demonstrates his love. Now, if I told my wife, Kyla, hey, I love you, and I love you, and I love you, and I kept telling her that, but I never demonstrated, at some point it just becomes words. If my actions don't match up with my words, then again, it's just intellectual. It's just, it's just words. But God is not all head, as it were, with us. God is all heart, because God demonstrates his love. Now, I'm going to guess you've heard this verse before, and unfortunately, it might become, have become a verse for you where you just heard it so much, you've seen it so much, that it's lost its power. But I think it's one of the most powerful verses in Scripture in John chapter 3. For God so loved the world. Isn't that amazing? Right there. Because I know the world, and it's a pretty rebellious world. It's a pretty prideful world. Isn't that amazing, those few words? God so loved the world. But it goes on to say, he did something. He wanted to show the world. He wanted to demonstrate to the world, this is how much I love you. And by the way, you're the world. It's not just some abstract, we're not talking about a planet. We're talking about a people. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believed in him shall not perish but have eternal life. He loved, and his love he gave. And what did he give? His son. What was so precious, he gave. Why? Because God didn't want to be separated from us. In God's great love to all he created, he sends his son. Paul says it in Romans. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died. While we were still rebellious, he sent Jesus. Ephesians chapter 2. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy. Aren't you thankful that the thing that God is rich in is mercy? Made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It's by grace that you have been saved. The story of Jonah is a story of God. And it's a story of God's amazing love for all that he created. And it's by grace. All of it's by grace. None of us deserved it. None of us could earn it. Jonah didn't get it. And when he saw God be God to somebody else, he didn't like it. Why? Because God hadn't taken up residence. I'm talking about the grace of God had not taken up residence. And a sure sign of this is if God, the grace of God is not living in you, what's going to happen is you are going to have a hard time celebrating the activity of God in other people's lives. You will have a hard time being gracious to other people because you can't give to other people what's not there. And what God wants is all of him living in all of us. And as he's taken up residence, wow, life for us. We start to love God differently. We start to love people differently. We start to hate sin in a different way where the thought of running is ridiculous. How could I run away from someone who loves me so? How could I not love him or her as God has loved me? Not because they love me, 
They're doing wicked things to me. They're being cruel to me. They're being mean to me. How could I not love as God has loved? This is our God. Next week will be testimony after testimony of this is the things I'm learning about God, what God's teaching me, what God's challenging me with. But as I close today, a few questions for you to consider. Not just consider, but to really wrestle with. If you've got a pen in front of you, I'd write these down. Head versus heart. Where are you? Have you made the 18-inch journey? Is God just a God who resides in your heart and you could tell anyone who asks a great answer to, this is God? Or is the answer of your testimony not just a mental thing, but it's a heart thing? And you can say, I not only know that God is gracious, man, His grace is at work in my life and it's showing up like this. Where are you on the journey? 18 inches. Longest but most important journey any one of us will ever take. Where are you on that journey? God wants your heart. Second question is, what is God trying to teach you right now? In this season of life, God is trying to teach you something. Why? Because he loves you enough to mature you and grow you so that you can live the life God has for you. What is he trying to teach you? Is there a worm right now? Is there a plant right now? Is there a wind blowing? God, using these things to get your attention. And then lastly, I would ask this. Uh, the last thing we learned about God from Jonah chapter 4 uh, was that God loves all without prejudice. And as the love of God is just received in us, it begins to flow out of us. Who is it that God right now is calling you to be an extension of his love to them. And I promise you, it's probably going to be someone in your life who is really tough to love. But who is God calling you, sending you to, to be an extension of his love? Because it might be a person who's never doesn't know the love that God has for them, doesn't know the grace. And it might be you. You might be the Jonah that God is sending to be a demonstration of God's love. I'm going to close and... Um, with prayer, and as uh, I close and the worship team comes back up, as we finish this series, spend some time responding to the God that's been revealed to you. Spend some time even wrestling with these questions of head and heart, the season of life you're in that God's, what he's trying to teach you. Father God, I give thanks that we don't have to be confused as to who you are. God, I give thanks for just the many, many, many things that we have learned about you from the story of Jonah. God, I give thanks that you are a God who loves us enough to teach us and to instruct us. God, I give thanks that you're a God who's not satisfied just um, to... to to dwell within our, in our minds, as it were, that we'd have a great answer of who you are. But God, you desire to dwell deep within our hearts. That you, at the core of who we are, just begins to change and transform us. God, I, I just trust that you've been speaking to each of us today. And God, whatever you have been speaking to each individual, I pray, God, that you would give us the grace we need to respond To what you've been speaking. But God, I give thanks that all of us can leave here today 
with a renewed testimony of this is our God.